Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. Want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family, the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory. In other words, Excelsior. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of LM2 Talks. As always, I'm your host, Larry. So this week's episode, um, it took me a little while to kind of get myself to record it. Um, and a big part of it is, you know, I decided to change directions. I decided to talk a little bit about Stan Lee, who, as many of you may know, uh, passed away about a, a week ago at the time of my recording this. And I'm gonna be real. It caught me a little bit off guard. Um, as my sister said, the man lived a very full life, but you know, I think for many of us who might be comic book fans or comic book movie fans, or you know, just a, a fan of creativity and imagination, it it was a lot to kind of take in uh, because someone who has very much become the face of Marvel Comics um, has left us. And and to be real. You know, let's let's be fair. He was kind of the face of comic books. There's no other personality uh, within the medium that that really encompasses everything that we kind of love about the genre. And you know, let's let's be real. He was not a perfect person. Um, there are countless essays and and you know stories that you can read about some of the issues with him kind of sharing credit for some of the characters that he either co-created or or was just a part of the editing process and making. And, you know, I, I think it's important that we don't necessarily allow that to uh, tarnish the legacy that that he laid, because I think at the same time, a lot of what he did was still very beneficial for comic books. And, you know, yes, you know, it, it, it is very important. And, and for me, it was a lesson in, you know, in, in reading a lot of that stuff. And I've been reading that stuff for a very long time. And it, and it really kind of helped me focus on the way that I want to be when I'm engaged in creative collaboration with other folks. It is always a team process and it's not my ideas over anyone else's. Um, you know, 
But that said, get, getting away from that, I think it's it's important to recognize some of the things that he did uh, with creating stuff like the Marvel method. The idea that um, the writer, the artist would brainstorm together and really develop the ideas in collaboration. And, you know, obviously that process is not always going to be perfect. There's always going to be egos involved. There's always going to be that push and pull who gets more credit um, and I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of leave that at that. You know, you can form your own opinions about that piece of it. But I really wanted to talk about kind of some of the ways that he inspired me, uh, but then also really get into some of the characters that he had a hand in creating and how they kind of impacted me as a creative growing up and and in a way as as just a person growing up. One of the things that I also find really interesting about Stanley as a person is the way that he kind of stepped up to become the mouthpiece of the company and really strove to make everyone, you know, everybody in the audience, everybody who was reading, everybody who was kind of listening to his words feel like they could be a superhero. Um you know, you can read a lot of, you know, behind the scenes stuff. You can watch some specials and and really start to learn that it wasn't necessarily easy for him. It didn't necessarily come naturally. And he is a person who worked and worked and worked to really kind of craft the persona that we kind of came to know. And from a PR marketing and communications perspective, as as those are that's the field that I would end up finding myself in. I think there's a lot to kind of take away from his example, um, being able to really embody comic books, being able to embody creativity and vision and inspiration and kind of share that with other folks, uh, being able to, in a way, kind of single-handedly be the face of, you know, a lot of the the creative ideas that we've seen. And I think that's why so many people really kind of latch on to the cameos of him in, in Marvel films. I mean, yes, it's, it's the silly old man who shows up and some of them are very funny. Some are better than others, but they're not great just because it's Stan Lee showing up. They're great because it's a guy who kind of made us all believe and in a, in a way gave a lot of different creatives around the industry their start you know how many people were inspired by the x-men or spider-man or or the hulk or iron man to do different things or to kind of believe in themselves in different ways um you know and and one of the things that that i also find really inspiring is this kind of continual goal of really trying to diversify and open up things you know some walls just naturally take longer to break down than others, but being able to see, you know, characters of color come onto the scene, being able to see different types of stories be told that weren't necessarily told before, working around things like the comic code to be able to approach stories in very natural ways, to show characters as humans to show superheroes as humans um i think all of those things are incredibly important to the to the work that he created and and you know really kind of the lasting impact of, of kind of what his legacy means in terms of comic books and one of the where i i kind of want to go with this is 
more than talking about Stan Lee, there were a couple of characters that he had a very big hand in creating that uh, really spoke to me in a, in a certain way and were kind of very important to my family life and and a few things. So I often talk about my own experience as, you know, a nerd or a geek or whatever word that you want to use. And it's it's been fraught. Um, I have an old blog post that you can read about kind of my experience of, of, you know, struggling with the identity of a black nerd and not necessarily always feeling welcomed in those spaces where we where we kind of engage in, in dialogue about uh, comic books and movies and superheroes and science fiction. Um, and I, I wrote this around the time of the, the Black tr- the Black Panther trailer being released. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about that. I was thinking a lot about my family, who are really the ones who who got me into all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, I credit my mom. I still have to, to come back to talking about her at some point. But, you know, my mom was the big reason why I got into cartoons. She's the one who introduced me to stuff like the Ninja Turtles. Um, she's the one who got my dad to go see Star Wars all those years back. And, you know, so she was really huge in that kind of formation of uh, my love for some of those things. But another person who was a really big piece of that was my uncle. Uh, my uncle is a very creative person, um, loves art, always loved art. Um, he used to, when I was a little kid, he would make uh, my Halloween costumes and, you know, they were fantastic. And, you know, when I was old enough, he kind of introduced me to his love of comics. And by old enough, I mean, I was probably like five or six, but. You know, I learned that my uncle was a very avid comic book collector and his favorite character was Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. And for me, that learning about that, spending time with my uncle, I I really got to see his love for comics and, and why he loved them. And he was really the big person who got me to engage with comic books as a medium. Like, I always loved reading I always loved art and comics were really kind of that perfect combination of the two. And so, you know, he was one of those people that, you know, would take me to the comic book shops in Philly and I would dig through the crates and find old back issues. And, you know, he was the one who gave me my, you know, copy of Silver Surfer number 10 um, that I still kind of cherish to this day. But, you know, his favorite character, the Hulk, who is also one of my favorite characters, was just this this really interesting tale, this mixture of Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, a person struggling with duality, struggling with anger and anger management. And, you know, that character being introduced, that character, you know, really helped me kind of along as a youth. So, you know, I was a black kid growing up in predominantly white spaces, and I didn't necessarily always have the words to express some of the anger that I was feeling or some of the problems that I was faced with. And, you know, I could find myself lost in the pages of comic books, you know, like the Incredible Hulk. And, you know, we all have those moments where we lash out. And that was the thing, you know, the Hulk was that embodiment of some of the rage that, you know, I felt growing up or, or that many young people kind of felt growing up. And, you know, it's really how do we how do we deal with this thing? Do we just kind of tamp it down? Do we hide it? Do we 
you know, just kind of shove it away, you know, put it somewhere, lock it away. And what does that do to us? Is it going to erupt out at some point? And by doing so, do we make it even more powerful? And, you know, I always thought like the idea of the Hulk, the idea of Bruce Banner and the idea of that struggle, you know, it really spoke to me in this way, you know, and and helped me kind of find the words for a lot of the feelings that I was having and, and a lot of that kind of struggle. And, you know, it's it's just really, you know, it's really cool for me to kind of look back and, and reflect on my life in that way and, and kind of look at how that comic, you know, was a big part of that and how my uncle was a big part of helping me find kind of that language. Um, I think the, the other part there too is looking at you know the 90s when i was kind of growing up um you know there was the idea of the smart hulk coming up and the idea that you can get the strength and you can maintain your intelligence and you don't have to fly off the handle and i think you know again like reading those comics at a very formative time was was incredibly powerful you know it was something that was able to in a way, give me a little bit of vision and, and help me kind of find my way, um, you know. And so, again, like we don't necessarily have a character like the Hulk or, or Bruce Banner without Stan Lee. Um, and so, you know, that was that was just one thing that 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 kind of comes to mind. And the other character that that was always really important to me growing up. And and you know, I don't want to short trip anybody. Like I, I loved the Fantastic Four. I loved the X-Men. You know, Iron Man was kind of lame at the time, but I, I think he he's kind of had his resurgence. You know, Thor was always kind of a dork, but they've they've kind of got him on on the right path. Uh, you know, growing up I was a, a big fan of of some of the old Avengers stuff and you know, it was just it was just kind of cool. But the the one character that stood above all else and in a lot of ways still does was Peter Parker, uh, Spider-Man. Um, he is a character that just spoke to me on so many levels. And I think a big part of that is because he was my dad's favorite character. Um, and I and I like to think I know why, um, you know, Peter Parker was not perfect you know he was someone who was coming out of poverty he you know had a difficult family life there were things that didn't quite go right for him and i think in a way my dad saw a lot of himself reflected in that character in what he was trying to do the idea that that with great power comes great responsibility and you know for my, for my dad that was that was his intelligence you know he's he was coming from a single parent home in philadelphia things weren't always great you know they didn't always have you know the the money that they needed and, and you know my grandmother wasn't always in the best of health and there were just a lot of things that I think really resonated with him about that character. My dad used to always tell me that if he hadn't gone into engineering, you know, he really wanted to be a journalist. And I think kind of seeing Peter Parker as that guy who is this really super intelligent scientist who's also working for a newspaper, you know, it, I think it kind of touched a lot of what my dad kind of saw himself as. And in a lot of ways that I that I kind of see myself as, you know, even though I didn't go into the sciences, I I decided to not quite go that route. I think there was a lot that 
you know, was kind of passed down there where that scientific way of thinking, but also wanting to tell stories, also wanting to kind of expose the truth in a way and to fight for what you believe in and who you love, all of those different things and and to do right by the world. I think those were all lessons that the character of Spider-Man really brought and and things that my father instilled in me um, and instilled in my sister. And and it's 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 really interesting. I mean, you know, again, like Spider-Man is not a perfect character. He made mistakes. He was teased. He failed. He fought through that failure. And, you know, even if he couldn't make every situation work out, he always found a way to keep going. And, and you know, I, I always kind of whenever I engage with different media of Spider-Man now, uh, now that my father has passed, it's like. I always tear up a bit thinking about him. So whether it was, you know, watching Spider-Man Homecoming or, you know, playing the new Spider-Man on PS4 was always those those shades of my father that I kind of see in the character and, and his his example. And I think that's I think that's something that's that's really great about Marvel and, and something that I've always felt like. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. I love both Marvel and DC, but for me, I think I was always more connected with Marvel characters because their struggles felt real. They felt more relatable. Um, I can't necessarily, as much as I love Batman, I can't necessarily relate to him. You know, I think there's there's certain struggles with um, his character that that don't really speak to me in the same way as someone like Spider-Man or or someone like Bruce Banner, um, or even in in a in a lesser way, you know, the the X-Men, you know, feeling like an outsider. I think that was something that I really felt for Marvel. And yes, you know, they're DC characters like Superman, but you know it's a little harder to connect with an outsider who also is a God. Um, Peter Parker was real. Bruce Banner were real. They were real people dealing with real emotional struggles, dealing with unrequited love, dealing with, you know, not being able to fully control their powers and dealing with decisions that they made that would impact the rest of their lives. And I think those are the things that, that really, really touched me and, and really kind of resonated with me. And, you know, I can go on and on and on about all of this stuff, but Marvel is really, you know, those are, those are the memories that, that I have, you know, you know, again, you know, it was, you know, whether it was playing some of the Spider-Man games on Super Nintendo or watching the cartoon with my dad or going to see those Tobey Maguire movies when they were coming out. It's it was always Spider-Man. It was always Marvel. It was, you know, seeing X-Men opening weekend in Florida when we were going to Disney World. Um, it was, you know, it was all that sort of stuff. It was sending my dad the newest trailers for the, the newer Marvel movies that were coming out. And, you know, I remember, you know, it, it, it's really hard to talk about because, you know, I didn't necessarily get to see certain things that I that I wanted with him. I didn't get to see Civil War with him and and see kind of like the perfect realization of Spider-Man or to see Black Panther on screen with him. And so, you know, more than kind of Stan Lee passing, a lot of 
the feelings that I had when I kind of read that news were really about my father and that relationship and and my uncle and 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 that relationship and luckily my uncle is still here I can still connect with him it's it's Thanksgiving week when I record this so I you know I'll get to see him I'll get to give him a big hug I'll get to talk to him about the latest comic book movies but you know those memories those memories growing up those those times shared with my father those are those are kind of the the lasting legacy that that I really feel like Stanley left and and I think that's true of a lot of young creative type people who in a way saw themselves in the characters that that he had a hand in creating and and the characters that other folks like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Larry Lieber and Don Heck and John Romita and so many others had a hand in creating for all of us and I I don't know like it's 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 sad not because this person who lived this full life has has left us but it's sad for me you know again just reflecting on everything that those characters have meant and the lessons that they've taught and the meaningful moments that I got to share or the lessons that I learned or how they kind of connected back to different things, you know? So yeah, it, it's funny because, you know, the, the Uncle Ben quote with great power comes great responsibility, which I mentioned before, you know, it was always something that, that my dad kind of said to me. He was a nerd like that, you know, whether he was quoting Shakespeare or quoting something from Star Trek, the next generation, or, you know, doing bad impersonations he always found a way to kind of work in these lessons from all of these different pop culture things that he loved, you know, all of these different creatives that, that really spoke to him. And I think that's something that I've carried on in my own style and in my own way and in my interactions with, with young people that I'm teaching or working closely with. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's really what I want to say about that. I, I think, you know, I know, I know it's a bit rambly. Um, you know, I, I had written a whole bunch of notes, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard to stick to the script when something means so much to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I realized that I can't wait to hopefully share some of those same kind of memories with, with my kids when I eventually have them. There's still so many lessons to be learned. There are great books to go back and read and pull stuff from. There's great newer stuff. You know, I I may not be reading all of the latest Marvel stuff. It may be other creators now, but there is so much wealth of knowledge, of information, of inspiration that comes from comics. And, And again, Stan Lee was a very big part of that. And I think even if his name is eventually forgotten, I don't think those of us who really love the medium will ever forget his impact and and kind of what his legacy meant to us. So with that out of the way, um, or I shouldn't say out of the way, but with with that portion of the podcast done, um, let's get into some of my spoiler free reviews from the week. Um, and so I saw two movies recently, actually the night I'm recording this, I am just returning from seeing Creed 2. If you love the Rocky movies, if you love the first Creed, you're gonna like this one. 
Um, it's got all the emotion, all of the passion, all of the heart that you've come to expect from these films. The soundtrack is phenomenal, or the score and soundtrack are phenomenal. You're looking at a mixture of Mike Will Made It and um, Ludwig Gustafsson. I'm not good with his name, but the person who did the score for the Black Panther and the first Creed really dialed it up a notch on this one. And the montages are fantastic. The cinematography is fantastic. Great performances. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I describe the, the Rocky films as you know, movies for men who struggle with expressing their feelings. And I think there it's so apt because I think a lot of what we see are in these films, men struggling to say what's really on their minds, what they're really feeling. And this is no exception. I think this does a great job of kind of continuing that tradition. Um, and again, kind of doing it in a way that's really impactful and I got to be real, like the fight scenes were, were the, the boxing matches in it are, are phenomenal. The training sequences are phenomenal. Like getting done with that movie, I'm just I'm pumped. I want to just put the soundtrack on and work out right now. Um, I'm probably not going to because I'm going to need to sleep. Cause it's, I've already been up for a pretty long time today. Uh, but that was it's just if you like those films, you're going to like this one. Um you know, again, I don't, I don't necessarily know if other folks are going to like them. Um, you know, I know, I know the Rocky films may not necessarily be for everybody. There's some folks who are probably just going to write it off and say, oh, it's just a cheesy sports movie. Uh, but I think it's a lot more than that. And I think it has a lot more to say if you really kind of look below just the surface of, hey, it's a guy who's boxing and, and trying to um, do something, you know, you're, you're looking at familial relationships, you're dealing with trauma, you're dealing with finding yourself and being true to your passion. Um, there's so much to say in this, but go see it. Let me know what you think. The other movie that I saw this week, uh, and I saw it yesterday at the time of recording this is widows. Um, it's a Steve McQueen movie. For those of you who don't know, he's the guy who directed 12 years a slave starring Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, Daniel Kaluuya, Brian Tyree Henry. And it is, it's just a phenomenal slow burn kind of crime heist movie. And it's really sad because they didn't do the best job marketing it. And it fell kind of flat despite having great kind of critical response and because there's a lot of twists in the film or you know some, some pretty big twists there may not be a lot of twists but there are some pretty big ones I don't want to say too much about it I don't want to give too much about it away but you know I think it is a phenomenal film if you have a chance go see it um, it might be a little slow for some people but know that it is it's an artistically made crime film that has a very good political message um it injects a lot of kind of some of the issues that we are seeing at at our current point in time um in a way that doesn't feel too heavy-handed and, and really kind of makes sense and you know the just the cast is phenomenal everybody does a great job um viola davis of course just tears it up she is fantastic as usual Daniel Kaluuya is frightening. Um, if this guy does not get an award nom for this film, I'll be surprised. He's having a great couple of years off of stuff like Black Panther and Get Out. Um, 
He's just doing a phenomenal job. Brian Tyree Henry, again, coming from stuff like Atlanta, and I know he's been doing some stage work. He's just a great actor, and I can't wait to see him in more stuff. And, you know, again, you know, people like Colin Farrell does a great job. Liam Neeson for what bits of the film he's in is great. Michelle Rodriguez is is a little bit different than that I normally see her, a lot more vulnerable. Um, but really, really phenomenal. And, and the rest of the cast, there are just so many people that do a great job. It's a it's a great ensemble. Um, other than that, some TV that I've watched recently. Um, I finished uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina about a week ago or a week and a half ago. It's all right. I felt like it started a lot stronger than it ended, um, though I do like some aspects of the ending. Um I feel like it just feels like totally different shows being mashed together and it didn't quite have its direction fully thought out. Um, and so I'm interested to see what they do with the second season. I will watch it, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, kind of the best programming that I watched also on Netflix. Um, I don't know if I reviewed this already. I should probably go back and check, but I'm just going to record this anyway. Uh, Netflix, Dare, uh, Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix is something else that I had finished uh, not too long ago. And I felt like it was another solid season of the show. I personally like a lot of what they did with Bullseye. I think they did a good job with Wilson Fisk. Um, it's probably the best Foggy Nelson that we've gotten so far on Marvel Netflix. I know that's not saying a whole lot because uh, Foggy is kind of awful. Um, but I definitely think it is worth seeing, especially if you've liked the other seasons of Daredevil. Um, the only issue that I really had with it was the ending, which I felt was a little too tidy. But I also wonder if they did what they did because they realized that the show might be getting canceled uh, since all of the other kind of Marvel Netflix shows are kind of one by one getting canceled. Um, other than that, jumping into kind of what I'm loving right now. Um, I have been watching all of Jane the Virgin. Um, I have never watched the show before. I wasn't really sure if it was going to be something that I liked. Um, but I, I really found myself enjoying kind of the, the telenovela aspects of it. Um, I have to say that I found myself kind of leaning more towards Team Michael. Um, if you haven't watched the show, you'll probably have no idea what that means right now. For those of the, you that did watch the show, some of you will probably be like, but what about Raphael? I don't like him. I think he's kind of a dick. Um, other than that, Baby Mateo was great. Uh, young, you know, four or five year old Mateo. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of. I don't like brats. Um... I think Petra is an awesome character and they've been doing a great job with her story development. Um, and my favorite character on the show overall has got to be Rogelio de la Vega. Uh, he is just fantastic. Um, I can't imagine anybody else being cast in that role. Um, it's also really interesting for me because I was kind of exposed to Gina Rodriguez in other roles. Uh, most notably, Annihilation was probably the first place that I really got to see her in action um, in films. And I know that's like super recent. Um, but being able to kind of see her in that first and then to go back to something like Jane the Virgin is very interesting. And for me, it kind of shows a bit more of her range. Um, and I think she is someone who is going to be 
a really big presence in acting and i and i can't wait to see what she's going to do um that said having watched almost four complete seasons of jane the virgin in about a week's time um it's a little hard for me to see her and other stuff right now uh when i went to see widows and then again when i saw creed 2 um there is a trailer for her new movie miss bala and uh I could not help but like just wonder when Rogelio was going to show up and, and things like that. So um, that was just something that kind of um, caught me off guard. Um, and other than that, I think the other thing that I love, I'm just going to do a quick plug for my friend's podcast. Um, uh, I My friends Elise and Ryan host a really fun podcast called uh, Differing Opinions on Drake, uh, where they not only talk about drake a little bit but they generally talk about pop culture and tv and movies and kind of what's going on in the world and it's just a lot of fun uh to hear people that aren't necessarily on like a a gimlet podcast or something like that really talk about um all of these different things um again like for me it's it's one of those things where I don't necessarily get to see them all the time to so to hear their opinions on some of the stuff that they're watching or listening to or reading um it's just a lot of fun and and it's it feels like a good way to catch up and hopefully we'll be doing a crossover soon wink wink nudge nudge uh (laughs) so we'll see what happens there uh so since this episode has gone on for way over what i normally would record for we're going to cut the q a section for today but if you have questions that you want to send me or you have topics that you want me to talk about on the podcast in the future make sure to send them over to me at LarryTron, pretty much everywhere on social media instagram facebook and twitter um or email me Larry at lm2photo.com. That's Larry at lm2photo.com. And make sure to tell your friends about the podcast. If you could leave a review, it helps other people find it. Right now, I am on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Google Podcasts. I am on Stitcher. I am on um, pretty much everything except for Spotify right now because. I don't know why, but Spotify has been giving me a lot of hassles every time that I try to submit this podcast. So hopefully that will change in the next few weeks. Uh, But yeah, so um, I'm not going to say what the future episodes will hold because who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to come up and how I'm going to change my mind? Maybe something that comes up at Thanksgiving is going to make me want to talk about something else. Um, But we'll see. And as always, Make sure to reach out. I love hearing from you. I love hearing your thoughts. Um, And I can't wait to record the next episode and talk to you again. Thanks for listening, fam. Peace.